0: You're listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast on the 5x5 network. You're listening to episode 363 and I'm your host, Brittany Martin. Mark Chow, or more well known as LuLaLaLa, is a happy Rubyist from Taiwan. He works in GitLab and likes to contribute to open source projects. He likes anime and has a hobby to self-publish reviews into books and ebooks using Ruby Libraries, Git, and InDesign. Thanks so much for joining me today, Mark.
1: Oh, thanks for having me today and uh, greetings from Taiwan. My name is Mark.
0: I hear it is your first podcast ever, is that correct?
1: Oh yes, it's my first podcast.
0: <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you for choosing the show for your debut. Mark, what is your developer origin story?
1: Um, So, when I was in high school, I liked to uh play around with HTML and c. s s making websites for games and animes uh but all of this was done using Dreamweaver. I wasn't really typing stuff to code <laughs> and um I only started learning coding in college uh in the software engineering department and it was all Java and C, and I didn't really find much joy writing <laughs> Java. Uh, After graduation I went to a company And um, It uses XML transformation Style sheets XSLT And like They would Query the database Get a really big XML file And then Feed it through The style sheet To produce HTML And Yeah it sounds Really crazy
0: I can't imagine Testing that
1: (laughs) Well it's Um it's mostly like HTML <laughs> level testing.
0: Gotcha. Well, um as we said in the bio is that you get a lot of joy from Ruby and Ruby on Rails. So I'm curious how you got started and how has it lent to your joy?
1: Um, so after doing a lot of XSLT, I moved to another company and did some PHP writing WordPress plugins and stuff. Uh, but I still <laughs> don't feel I like the language too much so then I saw the local Ruby community like they were trying to promote Ruby on Rails on Facebook and on blogs so I decided to give it a try uh, I bought the book "H.R. Development with Rails and tried to follow the tutorial and write the shopping cart guide and then after that I get bored then I feel that if I want to actually learn a thing I need to write something which I have a passion about and at the time um, I like to go to image board like 4chan Uh, it was popular it was originally from Japan from called 2CH and then it got popular in Taiwan too so I thought I should try to write 4chan um, clone using Rails and um, after that I think I f- get enough experience so I decide to uh, apply for jobs using uh, about Ruby on Rails and luckily I got a job in a startup with like five people and um it was good because <laughs> the senior inside the company taught me many, many things on the development like before this, I was mainly a Windows developer. <laughs> Everything was on Windows, but now I started using a Mac and learn how to program um uh, under like a Unix like console. Yeah.
0: So first of all, I think you're the first guest we've had on this show who's attempted to do a 4chan clone instead of a Twitter clone. So I want to give you kudos for that because it's definitely different. (laughs) Now, we all know that GitHub infamously uses Rails, but I don't think the listeners know about GitLab's usage of Ruby on Rails. So can you tell me a little more about that, and are they using the latest and greatest version?
1: Uh, Sure. Um, GitLab is just basically a giant monolith Rails application and if I recall correctly I think there was a research paper on uh, many of the famous open source Rails applications and GitLab is the biggest code base Um, so it's a normal Ruby on Rails application like you have controllers, models and stuff uh, but since it's really the code base is big, we try to uh, mitigate the complexity by separating some of the concerns into separate layers, like um, service objects, presenters, and so on. Uh, we also have some convenient helpers for database migrations or testing, which would make uh, zero downtime deployments possible. And I think people should check it out. Uh, we haven't made it into a gem, so it's internal. But people should be able to copy it because it's open source. Um, several of the operations are also written in Go because some of the some parts of the app we need to uh, focus on speed, like Git communications. Uh, as for Rails version, unfortunately we are still using Rails 6.0 uh, We are constantly making new features, so we haven't had time to allocate work for doing upgrades yet
0: I'm curious, when GitLab commits to doing a significant Rails upgrade, do you typically have a team work on that and also merge in new features at the same time? Do you recall the last time you, maybe when you upgraded to Rails 6.0, how that worked?
1: Um, The last time we upgraded from Rails 5.0 to 6.0, I wasn't really involved Uh, but what we do is that we would create an issue which lists out uh, every single step which we need to take and people, some of the engineers can choose and take, assign themselves to these issues and um, I think it's, there will be a a coordinator like watching and monitoring the progress. And after that's done, then I think the coordinator will discuss with the um, the infrastructure team to actually decide how to actually do the version switch. That
0: makes sense. So, let's talk about why I brought you onto the show today, and that is to talk about an exciting feature that was introduced in Rails 6.1, which is active model errors. So, first of all, Mark, why did things need to change?
1: So, before Rails 6.1, um, the, all the validation errors are stored in two separate hashes the messages hash and the details hash. And um, in my previous job, I had to do some special filtering, like hiding some of the errors depending on the error type uh, To do this, I need to go through the details hash to find the error type and then use the index to hide the actual error message and this is r- a really tedious task and it does not always work because, for some rare scenarios, uh, rails for some special scenarios, the messages hash will not be in a one-to-one relationship with the details hash. So you wouldn't be able to always use the index to find the corresponding details or the corresponding messages. Um, another thing which was con- inconvenient was that. We cannot do testing easily. Like sometimes we want to test if certain type of errors was added. Rails has this added method, as added question mark method. However, it would compare the f- Um, look, the added qu- question mark method would actually regenerate the message and compare it against the string inside the messages hash and if you have some dynamic component in your message then the comparison will fail so you would have to stop out all these dynamic components which makes testing a little bit tedious so I think the problem with the previous approach are that you cannot easily associate data from one hash to another and many of the operations are string based and lastly extending the behavior is difficult with our proper class to monkey patch 2 so I think I was thinking how to fix those and I feel that I need to do a proper I feel that a proper object-oriented design would Be the right approach to fix this
0: that makes a lot of sense to me because on a past project that i worked on it was a very unstable api that did have a lot of dynamic elements and because that api was so unstable it caused me to have to write a lot of tests that did have dynamic elements and it was really frustrating how often those objects would change because i was using vcr to record those elements And so this makes a lot more sense to me and why it would be applicable for a situation like that. So I'm curious, Mark, how were you involved with the change that was introduced?
1: Um, So after that, in 2017, like I opened a project on GitHub called Aeros API redesign initiative. And I was wishing to collect Opinions on how this can be changed So I posted the project URL to the Rails mailing list and many places like the reddit um, I gathered a few opinions And then decided to actually start working on this as a jam um, I called it adequate errors and this gem would wrap around the Rails API so it would intercept any errors related method calls and build its own error objects in another place and then present them when it's needed. Um, I use it in my hobby projects and I find it really useful, so uh, I decided that I can actually make a pull, requ- pull request to Rails to make it um, part of the official API So in the beginning of 2018, I started working on this and um, originally I was hoping that it can be merged before Rails 6.0 is released but the release process was longer than I expected so finally it got merged for Rails 6.1
0: This episode of the 5x5 Ruby on Rails podcast is brought to you by Scout APM. Scout APM is application performance monitoring designed to help Rails developers quickly find and fix performance issues without having to deal with the headache or overhead of enterprise platform feature bloat. With a developer-centric UI and tracing logic that ties bottlenecks to source code, Scout helps you quickly pinpoint and resolve performance concerns, like N plus one queries, slow database queries, and memory bloat, so you can spend less time debugging and more time building a great product. And with Scout's real-time alerting and weekly digest emails, you can rest easier knowing that Scout's on watch to help you resolve performance issues before your customers ever see them. Give Scout a try today with a free 14-day trial and experience firsthand why Rails developers worldwide call Scout their best friend. And as an added bonus for Ruby on Rails listeners, Scout will donate $5 to the open-source project of your choice when you deploy. Learn more at scoutapm.com slash rails. Thank you to Scout APM for supporting the show. That is an incredibly impressive story. So I'm curious, how long did you stay with that pull request? Because it sounds like you opened it up in 2018. Rails 6.1 came out in 2020. So how long was that pull request open?
1: Um, I think it's around... Eleven months.
0: <laughs> wow.
1: <laughs> was um, there
0: a lot of banter on it? Was there a lot of uh, number one? I'm gonna add this into the show notes because I think listeners should look at this pull request because you did a really excellent job of documenting, you know, your approach and everything. But I'm curious, like, how was it received? You know, was the community in favor of it? Was the core team in favor of it? Obviously, if they merged it, but I'm curious, you know, what kind of um, interaction you had around that pull request?
1: Um, I think the overall feedback is positive. Like, um the maintainers from the Rails core team, they like the idea. Um, so the p- uh, when I first made the pull request, they would just point out smaller details which I need to polish, and um, that's how I would just try to amend my pull request and then ask for feedbacks um i think it's long it took longer than expected because um a A the Rails call team was a little bit busy so i would receive the feedback to it would take longer for me to receive uh feedbacks and um to we need to take care of the deprecation um errors deprecations because we don't we want to minimize the amount of breakage between the upgrades so we want to um we want to emulate the hash and um which allows us to add some deprecation warnings if we are using the hash in um incorrect way. (laughs) Yeah.
0: That makes sense. So with merging in your pull request into 6.1, does that mean you've now deprecated your gem adequate errors?
1: Um, I, I totally forgot to deprecate it because, um, I don't think people were using it, so it doesn't really matter.
0: (laughs) So this means your hobby projects are safe then. So that's good to know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I'm curious, how do you upgrade?
1: Um, we place a lot of deprecation warnings around different method calls and s- most of them will suggest an alternative to to achieve the same thing so um, I think the first step would be to uh, read through all those deprecation warnings and um, make adjustments to remove them and you should also check if your application is directly manipulating the errors hash um, in any way because in the new errors architecture the messages hash and the details hash are no longer the source of truth if you modify then the change wouldn't be reflected in the, the actual error data so you need to uh, change uses and use the official errors API since the hash uh, since the hash interface is quite big we cannot cover all of the use cases um uh, many people uh, have suggested they have placed have commented on their use case in the p PR, PR and I would answer on um, a possible migration path for this special cases and if you have any special cases, I, um, I think it's a good idea to present your case in the PR as well and I will try to answer those.
0: That is a fantastic offer to make to the listeners. I, what is the positive benefits that Active Model Errors brings us?
1: I added a method called where uh, It makes filtering the error messages much easier you can filter the arrows by the error type or by the options for example if you have um, if you have a too large arrow you can filter the arrow by the count from the details hash um, testing will also be easier because now the comparison won't be stream based but we will be comparing the actual provided data with the data in the errors objects so that's good Uh, we can now also use the enumeration methods to to loop through the errors array so for example we can use reject we can use count uh, we can use delete all because now Errors is an innumerable object uh, The third one would be v- uh, that validation errors from associations are now internally represented as nested objects I think this opens up many possibilities because now uh, developers is able to dig into the root of the cause for the error Instead of just reading through, mm, instead of um, uh, flattened out error messages at the top of the uh, object. Lastly, now we have a dedicated clas- class for error objects, so it's easier to monkey patch and modify the behaviors. This means that uh, uh, it's possible to make gems for um so it's possible to write gems to modify the behavior so i look forward to many more error related gems
0: i am especially excited about the validation errors from associations i think that it's going to be incredibly powerful so that is a great addition So how long do you think until this is the standard for Rails applications going forward?
1: I think um, we will have to wait until Rails 7.0, because we want to minimize uh, breaking changes until a major version change.
0: I think that makes a lot of sense. I did want to address a comment that you had in your pull request, and you had an open question around deprecating to underscore XML. So why did you have that as an open question?
1: Um, I I put that as some um, open question because I thought it's totally my own preference. I just feel that in this age, we are all using JSONs instead of XML, so the XML support uh, makes less sense, and I thought it's a good to deprecate it, along with all the other deprecations. Um, I was hoping that this, the progress could open up some discussions around to uh, underscore XML but um, the maintainers didn't really care, I guess, so <laughs> it just got merged and um, yeah
0: This episode of the 5x5 Ruby on Rails podcast is brought to you by Raygun. Are you using the latest tools to monitor your Ruby app's performance? With Raygun error and performance monitoring, you have all the information you need at your fingertips to quickly find and fix errors and performance problems across your tech stack down to the line of code. Raygun gives you real-time visibility into the health of your software so you can see how your code performs in the hands of who matters most, your customers. Save time, money, and sanity by visiting raygun.com slash ruby and join thousands of software teams who use Raygun every day to ship better quality code faster. It takes just minutes to set up and starts from as little as $4 per month. This is a tool you definitely want to check out. So head to raygun.com slash ruby to get started on your free 14-day trial or simply search Raygun on the Heroku Marketplace. Thanks to Raygun for supporting the show. Okay, well, I think that was a good question to ask because you know, you always want to make a change, but first you want to make that change easier. So the idea of deprecating 2xML ahead of time made a lot of sense to me. As I ask all of my guests, Mark, what are your thoughts on the future of the Ruby and Ruby on Rails communities?
1: I always hope that uh, in the Ruby community, uh, we could offer um, the open source alternative to common web infrastructures like blogging or wiki Uh, usually people when they think about blogging they would consider the php solutions first and i wish we can one day make the ruby solution uh, equally as popular or accepted
0: That's a great idea because it definitely would increase usage. So I agree with you as well. And listeners, if you are aware of any solutions like that, please let us know. So before we wrap up, I do want to ask you, what is one underrated or unknown anime that listeners should check out?
1: Okay, I have an answer? Um, There's an anime called The Place Further Than the Universe. And it's kind of a touching story about of uh, four high school girls trying to go to Antarctica. The Le- premise seems a little bit s- mm, silly, but it's a really, actually a really nice story. Yeah.
0: Awesome. So how can listeners follow you?
1: Um, I'm using Lulalala as my handle on most of the platforms such as GitLab and GitHub. The only exception is Twitter, where my handle is Lulalala underscore IT.
0: Where did the handle come from? What's the origin behind that? <laughs>
1: um, um, I like a Dreamcast game called Space Channel 5, and its main character is called Ulala. So I thought um, I can make a similar handle called Lulala. However, it's really hard to register handle because it has already been registered. So I just add an extra "la" after it and (laughs) that became my handle.
0: That is quite clever. And it really does feel like the joy that you write in Ruby. So Mark, thank you so much for guesting today. And thank you for all your contributions around Active Model errors. Um, Listeners, please definitely check it out. We will link up to all of Mark's blog posts. Again, thank you so
1: much, Mark. Thank you for having me.